You guys can go ahead and be seated. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Bob. I know on the one hand, it's a total honor to have him here, but usually he's not here when I preach. So, you know, there's a little bit, a little bit of pressure. Can't go off script as much as I normally do. Um, so we've been learning about the Holy Spirit uh, this whole last month. And I mean, we learn about the Holy Spirit a lot, but we've really been focusing on it. And we've been talking about who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, how the Spirit works and moves in our lives, how to recognize that, and how to, and, and sometimes to the Holy Spirit. Because really, we want the Holy Spirit to consume us. And, and sometimes we'll experience the Holy Spirit in parts of our lives, but we want the Holy Spirit to be in every part of our life. And if you haven't figured it out yet, the Holy Spirit is kind of a big deal. Um, in John 16, 7 through 15, you know, Jesus, the Son of God, left the earth so the Holy Spirit could come and live in us. You know, we'll, we'll ask, like, what would Jesus do? Or we'll wish Jesus was still with us. And it's like, wait a minute, guys, he left. And he said it's better that he would go so that we could have the Holy Spirit. And he says um, here in verse 7, um, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be um, in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. And then he says, I have much more to say to you, more now than you can bear, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you um, what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will, will receive from me what he will make known to you. So by now, um, if you haven't really fully embraced this idea of the Holy Spirit, after you know three weeks of this, I feel like we should all be really intrigued to get to know the Holy Spirit even more and even more as a person. And so my prayer and my hope for us today is that we would all just leave here with a deeper desire for more of the Holy Spirit and, and know the Holy Spirit a little bit more today when we leave. And that also, um, as we leave today, we would have a deeper desire for wisdom because that's one of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit that we're going to be talking about today, is this characteristic about wisdom. Now, um, I think that Bob has done a great job of, of dispelling some of the misconceptions about the Holy Spirit, but um, I know some of us can still think, man, if I truly give my life to the Holy Spirit, things are going to be weird. Like, I'm going to be weird. I'm going to say weird things. I might, like, shout things out at inappropriate times. Um, I'm never going to be on time. Everything will be spontaneous and kind of chaotic. And it will be like, because the Holy Spirit told me to do something. And I'm so sorry I'm late. Um, you know, and that there will just be, like, gold dust and unicorn glitter that, like, covers everything we do. And yes, yes, um, I will say, when the Holy Spirit consumes you, you will do things you never thought you would do. 
okay? But um, I want us to, to know that there's some other aspects of the Holy Spirit there that we can trust. A few weeks ago before worship, Casey was, you know, exhorting the worship team, and he says um, a quote by one of his friends that the Holy Spirit is the most organized person there is. Now, if you're a spontaneous person, you might have just kind of clenched up when I said that. That doesn't mean um, that the person of the Holy Spirit is, um, oh gosh, I want to use the word anal retentive, but um, that's probably not a good word to use. The Holy Spirit is not uptight, is what I mean. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is one of the most organized people that there is, and we can trust it. And right now in our world, this thing of wisdom, we need wisdom, in our world today, in our current culture. And I believe that God's church, you know, his bride, one of the things that is gonna make us beautiful and spotless before he comes, genocides all over the world. There's, you know, uh, school shootings, public, uh, public shootings. We've got um, all kinds of stuff going on. Marriages crumbling, suicides on the rise. We're dealing with anxiety and depression in our own minds. It's not all just out there, guys. It's in here too. We need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to tell us how do we think? How do we feel? How do we act when we're faced with these things? We need wisdom. So um, I normally like to define things. I like to define what wisdom is, but um, I think you guys get it. Wisdom is not just knowledge, but knowing um, what to do and how to do it, when to do it. And so I really believe that one of the greatest prayers that we can pray right now, especially, is um, to ask for wisdom because it's a prayer that God always answers. So I do want to believe, though, or I do want to um, expand and kind of broaden our idea of wisdom. So you might think that, you know, it has to do with understanding or discernment and those kinds of things. But here are some common misconceptions about wisdom. One, that you have to be old in age to have it. Okay, all the old people, all the gray-haired people, woo! Okay, so I, we, the old people have wisdom, okay? And, and some of that is wisdom from life experience, right? The things that you've done well and you wanna pass that on to somebody else and you want them to not make the same mistakes that you made. Um, and, and so there is that kind of life experience. But we do not have to be old to have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit or wisdom from heaven, just a few months ago, Jude in the night service was worshiping up front next to Pete. And he just taps him and says, dad, I feel like I'm supposed to go pray for somebody. And so Pete's like, okay, go ahead. (laughs) And he goes and prays for someone, a man that he barely knows. And uh, I didn't know about it at the time, but I find out later from his wife. And she said, what did you pray over my husband? Because, you know, my husband is saying like, all he'll say is that it was accurate and it was timely or something to that effect. And I said, I, I didn't even know he prayed for, for him. And so I went and asked Jude what he prayed. And just even him telling me what he prayed was so powerful. But what I want you guys to know, no matter how old you are, that obedience to the Holy Spirit is wisdom. And you do not have to have gray hairs on your head to have obedience to the Holy Spirit. Um, another misconception about wisdom is you don't want it unless you are old because it's boring and it's kind of not fun. And, um, you know, wisdom is, I always used to say, you know, wisdom is not one of the sexy gifts of the Holy Spirit. Like, you know, the sexy gifts are the words of knowledge, the miraculous healings. Like those are the gifts that everybody wants. If you have wisdom, you kind of have to have people come to you. 
You don't get to just, you know, do these miraculous signs all the time. Um, but that's, wisdom is exciting. Wisdom positions you in places that you would never get to if you didn't have it. Positions may be reserved for people um, of, a, of a certain position in life or a certain age, but wisdom gets you into places you never thought you'd be able to get into. And being led by the Holy Spirit is super exciting. Daniel, as a young man, had the ears of kings who were not believers because of his wisdom. Another misconception is wisdom means never looking foolish or doing anything that could come across as unwise. Now, Jesus allowing himself to be crucified did not seem wise to his disciples. They were expecting an overthrow of the government. Um, God will ask us to do things that, that seem foolish or unwise sometimes. And personally, I believe he's been showing me this, that um, what I think I have to look like in order to appear wise is not wisdom from heaven. It's wisdom from this earth. So walking in wisdom just actually sometimes means being only needed for counseling people through the most difficult situations. That's the thing I think I want to break the most today is that we need wisdom every single day. We need wisdom in our homes and how to deal with our spouse. We need wisdom in our homes and how to deal with our kids. Guys, we need wisdom at our jobs, okay? There's a lot of stuff going on in our workplace. We need the wisdom from heaven uh, for those kinds of experiences. Now, yes, there are times when really young and foolish people should probably seek out the wisdom of an older, experienced person in their life to keep from doing really dumb things. And um, Pete and I were in such a position when we um, were 20, 21, 22. We were uh, engaged and about to get married, and it was stressful. Pete was kind of like the golden boy, the, the son of the church in a way, and everyone wanted to come to the wedding, and we had a really small budget, and I was overwhelmed by the whole thing. And so we came up with this great idea to go to Italy and just elope. And we looked into it, and we were super excited about it. And so we just wanted to, you know, run it by Pastor Bob and, and just let, let him know and then get his, his blessing and his covering. I, I have never seen Pastor Bob mad, except for at that moment. Um, <laughs> he was like, that is not wisdom, you know, and he explained everything about what, a, you know, a wedding is, is, is not just for you. And, and it's, it's to show accountability and support and, and it's for other people too. And, and we just kind of sat there and we were like, okay, you know, we walked out, guess we're, we're getting married here. So, um, no, young, foolish people need, need wisdom from older, experienced people, too. So I think um, we've gained some wisdom since then, hopefully. I mean, Pastor Bob let us borrow his until we got our own. <laughs> this is a really common verse, Galatians 5.25, but that's kind of just what I'm going to harp on today. Um, in the ESV, it says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And I love this idea of keeping in step, you know, like wherever the Holy Spirit goes, we're just kind of going with them. Oh, wait, the Holy Spirit's going over here. We're going over here. I love this idea of, of walking with the Holy Spirit and it being something that is a minute by minute daily thing. It is not just for the big glorious encounters when the Holy Spirit or the presence of the Holy Spirit kind of falls in a tangible way. And we have these, these you know, encounters or experiences with God. It's for the everyday 
In the NLT version, it says, since we are living by the Spirit, so if we're saying that we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Um, you know, if I could come up with my own version, I'm, I hope this is not sacrilegious, Bill Schreiber. Um, my version would say, if we are truly consumed by the Spirit, we will continually adjust our steps and our perspectives to the Spirit, continually. So that just means that really we're in alignment. We're in alignment with God. We're in alignment with his purposes. We're in alignment with what he's doing in this room. We're in alignment with relationships that we have. We're in alignment with the, like the global, the, the world vision that God has. We get to be in alignment with that and play a small part. Now, when I first moved here from California at 21 years old, um, I, I needed a job. I didn't have one. And I, I got a job at a chiropractor's office. Now, at that time, I didn't even really believe in chiropractic. I just thought, you know, something you do when you throw out your back. And the chiropractor there, the doctor, wanted all of his staff to get adjusted regularly. And I was like, that's kind of weird. I don't, my back doesn't hurt. I'm fine, but I needed the job. So, um, you know, he took me through the initial exam and there was all these symptoms. Do you experience, you know, headaches or neck pain or back pain? But, you know, so anyway, I, I just said, okay, yeah. I, I mean, I guess sometimes I get headaches, neck pain, back pain, and allergies. And so um, I start getting adjusted. And a few weeks later, a few weeks, I realize I am no longer taking an every day, a daily, over-the-counter allergy medicine that I had been taking for, I don't know, a year, two years. I didn't need it anymore. I noticed that um, I told him at the exam, I don't really have headaches. I didn't realize I had them every single day until they were gone. I had said, oh, yeah, I mean, everybody has neck and back pain, you know, if you sleep wrong or whatever. I didn't realize I was in this constant state of pain, and I didn't realize it until I'd been adjusted. And then I realized, oh my goodness, I feel like a whole new person. Why have I been living like this? But that's what it's like walking with the Holy Spirit and keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. We realize how long maybe we've been living with pain that we didn't have to live with. And we realize, man, just these small little adjustments to my perspective, just small adjustments to the way I see that person, small adjustments. And suddenly things are in alignment now, the Holy Spirit is um, very multifaceted, and there are a lot of different ways to look at the Holy Spirit. I remember as a kid hearing that the Holy Spirit was like a dove, and that comes, you know, from the picture of a dove descending on Jesus when he was baptized in water, and, um, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, and people would say, the Holy Spirit's like a dove. Just be careful. You don't want to scare him away. He's easily disturbed, you know. And so I was always kind of afraid, you know, like I don't want to do anything to make the Holy Spirit leave. Um, another way of looking at the Holy Spirit is, you know, like a fire or electricity. It's something that uh, empowers us and, and fuels us and, and gives us the power to be able to do what um, we're supposed to do. And I pray that every night over my kids. God, give them the power, fill them up. Fill them up with your spirit to overflowing so that they have the power to live the lives that you've called them to. Um, but for me though, I, I'm a visual person and sometimes I've got to have a visual. And so since we're talking about, you know, the Holy Spirit, I have some visuals that, um, I'd like us to just, you know, look at the way I view sometimes the Holy Spirit based off of, uh, the names in the Bible or, um, the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. So, um, the first picture here is, uh, from the movie Glory. Have you guys seen that movie? It's really, really good. It's based on a true story. Um, 
But in Galatians 5.25, the word keep step or walk with the spirit is a military term in the Greek. And it means to proceed in a row as the march of a soldier, to go in, and that can seem constricting. The cool thing about that is that everybody knows their place. Everybody knows who to look to to get their orders. Nobody is doing anything on their own. So that means if we know our place, we know who to get our marching orders from. Our instructions and our assignments are from the Holy Spirit. Okay, the next picture here, Last of the Mohicans. That's another movie I love. Pete was like, you just wanted to put a picture of Daniel Day-Lewis up there to look at while you were preaching. Not true, not true. Um, In the movie, the gentleman on the left is is the dad. He has a son, and then the uh, the guy on the right is his, his adopted son, and they lead a group of people on this journey. And I really look at the Holy Spirit as a trusted guide. And if you watch the movie, you'll understand. But um, it's someone who's gone before you. It's someone who knows the terrain, somebody who knows the territory. They know the ins and outs. They know what to look for, where to step, where not to step. And when you're starting to get worried, there's a part in the movie, you know, people are, what are we supposed to be doing? Or or, why can't we walk this way? And it's like, chill, trust me. I've been here before. I know exactly what we're doing. Settle down. (laughs) You can trust me. Um, Another way I view the Holy Spirit is is like a you know a loving grandma or a grandpa. Now this picture though is of Corrie Tin Boom. And if you haven't read her story, you should, but um, her family helped hide Jews from the Nazis. And then she and her family members were actually sent to a concentration camp. And in that concentration camp, her sister died. So a huge message of her life is forgiveness. Um, And that's what I think of when we talk about the fruits of the Holy Spirit, um, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't think of some super syrupy, sweet, oh, here's another piece of, you know, chocolate. Or I think of somebody who has tested character. I think of somebody who's not just nice. I think of somebody who's gone through hell and back and has this character, like Corey Tin Boom. And so when you think of the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your lives, it's a powerful thing. I I would love to be in a room where she was speaking and to imagine the weight in that room as she's talking about forgiveness, knowing what she's gone through. Um, One of my favorite ways to look at the Holy Spirit is as a conductor. Now, um, I used to think conductors were irrelevant. I I was like, why do they have that person up there just going like this? And sometimes they're really just, you know, kind of uptight. And other times they're really dramatic. and, And I just thought it's for show. It's all for show. But um, I had looked up the role of a conductor. All have gifts. And we get to choose to um, use those gifts. We get to choose to practice those gifts and become skilled in them, right? But imagine this whole room like an orchestra. And the job of a conductor is to unify the musicians, set the tempo, execute clear preparations and beats, listen critically to what's being played and to shape the sound of the ensemble, control interpretation and pacing of the music. They have a good idea of the composer and the vision that the composer had, and they're trying to make that happen. And then to create the performance anew every time. The Holy Spirit is not boring. The Holy Spirit does new things all the time. And if we're all playing our parts, because I actually looked into that, and uh, people that are musicians, they say, you know, 
blog posts or different things. No, the role of the conductor is so important because you know your part. You're trying to play your part, but you're also trying to keep step with what the conductor is doing. Last, or no, not last picture. Second last picture here, a midwife. Um, a midwife assists women, you know, before the birth, like during the pregnancy, through the labor, and after. And I never had a midwife, and I had six kids, and I feel like I just missed out. Because all my friends that are younger and having babies, they're having like these home water births and, and midwives. And, and I'm like, man, I just had like a doctor that was just like smiling when the baby popped out, basically. I mean, I wish I had a midwife. Um, a midwife... Actually, you know, is a, is a lot midwife if after you deliver a comforter, an advocate. Imagine being a midwife if after you deliver the baby, something's wrong or the baby's not living. You're there to help them. The mother, you know, grieve. Um, the Holy Spirit is, is that coach that leads us through transitions. Those things that we're just like, this is the most difficult time of my life. But if I can get to the other side of it, it has the potential to be one of the most beautiful things of my life. And then lastly, um, it's, a, it's a picture here of, of Samara. Um, I was going to, the Holy Spirit is a gift giver. And I was going to put a picture up of like Oprah, you know, like yelling at everybody, like you get a car and you get a car. And, or maybe like Buddy the Elf in the factory making gifts for people. But um, I thought that might be really sacrilegious. So I didn't do that. But um, so I put up a picture of Samara at Pip's Donuts. Because <laughs> if you've had Pip's Donuts, they are, they are from God. And uh, it's a good gift. And Samara, Samara's a good gift. Um, But the Holy Spirit, it's like this visual of the Holy Spirit sets out these gifts for us to partake in. But the cool thing about the Holy Spirit's gifts is they're not just for our own consumption. The gifts that we have are to be poured out and used to bring about God's purposes all over the earth. And we get to be a part of it. So not only does it taste good when we eat it, okay, but we get to actually pour it out on other people. So when I look at these pictures, these six pictures of the Holy Spirit here, um, it's not a complete picture, but I go, man, this is somebody I want to get to know. This is somebody I feel like I can trust. This is somebody that mm -hmm, I, I, I would let them guide me because I don't know everything. I need a guide for my everyday life. So when we keep in step with the Holy Spirit, we get wisdom for our everyday life. How many of us need wisdom for our everyday life? I mean, there's been things that the Holy Spirit has quickened to Pete and I at different times. I mean, I remember one time one of our kids, who shall remain unnamed, um, was flipping out. We'll just say having a, a temper tantrum, and, you know, they weren't two. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and I was so worked up inside, so worked up. And I had all these things. How am I going to give the kid a consequence, or how am I going to stop this, or how can I show them, like, this is not smart to be doing this. And uh, the Holy Spirit said, um, I want you to go get them and uh, let them vent. Just tell them you are, they can say whatever they want, cuss words, anything. <laughs> um, and, and you're just going to listen and you're going to tell them, thank you for sharing and give them a hug at the end. And I was like, that's stupid. <laughs> she's already, she's been ranting, you know, or whatever. Um, and, and I went and did it. And, and, and it was like, it got it all out. There was a sigh at the end, and I said, thank you for sharing. I really appreciate that. Can I give you a hug? Um, you know, with Jude, I don't think he minds me sharing this, but um, sometimes he would, he would get, you know, just emotional, and, and we were like, man, how do we help him? 
how do we help him, you know, feel loved and not out of control in these situations? And it was like, Holy Spirit idea, 30-second hugs. That's it. Daily, Jude, come get your hug. And my parents had the kids one time for a week after we'd been implementing this, and they were like, Jude is like a totally different person. What's going on? I'm like, and I told them, make sure you give him his 30-second daily hugs. Something like that, that, I mean, the Holy Spirit dropping that in a moment, I didn't have time to go read all the parenting books in those moments, guys. I wasn't like, hey, can you just stop throwing that fit? I got to go, you know, look up, you know, love and logic or something. I, sometimes we need a direct word from the Holy Spirit, wisdom that's going to change our everyday lives. I've mentioned this before, but waking up in the morning and simply saying, God, order my day. The Holy Spirit is organized. It loves to put all the pieces in. And so you look at your schedule and you're like, I have to do this, this, this. And you have this certain order or a way you think you're going to get it done. And you just say, Holy Spirit, order my day. And I am just blown away how the Holy Spirit does things. Last week at the Women Mentoring Women event, I was teaching a session on identity. I hadn't had much time to gather my notes. And I go to Thatcher's Coffee, which I was led by the Holy Spirit there. Um, I was going to stay home. No joke. The Holy Spirit was like, go to Thatcher's. And I'm like, cool, I'll go to Thatcher's. I walk in the door, sit, you know, get my coffee, sit down, and in walks an old friend, someone I hadn't seen in a long time. And we end up having a two-hour conversation, and not, not, uh, like, not that it was meant to go this way, but about identity and just different stories. And by the end of that, I felt like I had a clearer sense of exactly what I was supposed to share, uh, uh, more of a sense of identity in my own life, and I was imparting identity to her as well. Like, how cool is that? That's way more fun than just studying, you know, for, for something. The Holy Spirit loves to interrupt our everyday lives. So we have to stop relegating the use of wisdom to these big life decisions and to start relying on the Holy Spirit for wisdom in our everyday. Now, the Holy Spirit can lead us, though, to do things or go into places that seem foolish or unwise. But when we stay in alignment with the Holy Spirit, when we keep step with the Holy Spirit, we can trust being led into the unknown. In Luke 4, it says Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Sometimes God leads us into circumstances that look barren. He leads us into circumstances where we're tempted by the devil for 40 days and we're hungry afterwards. You know, Jesus came out of that after that fasting for 40 days and he was hungry. But the Holy Spirit will sometimes do that. In Acts 20, um, Paul is saying, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. God will sometimes use the Holy Spirit to lead us into tribulations. But the whole point is that if we're keeping step with the Holy Spirit, we won't be moved we won't be, um, our peace won't leave, okay? Our, our character doesn't have to go out the window. Our boldness doesn't have to diminish. We get to say, I'm gonna, okay, this is scary. I'm, I'm gonna be in chains, okay? But instead of just kind of like following the Holy Spirit like this into a tribulation, we can have the confidence to go, okay, 
I am following the Holy Spirit right into this tribulation. I will not be moved because I know who led me here. So just because the Holy Spirit tells me something, though, like how, how do we seek out like the how, the why, the when? And I mean, I, I, I couldn't give you a bunch of like, you know, bullet points on this. Um, I just thought, man, I'm going to just share some, some examples from my own life. Um, because I know for myself, it can come in a really strong sense or a knowing, which sounds a little, you know, ooh. But um, I, I do. I get a strong sense or a knowing, and it comes with a peace. So even if the idea seems scary, it's like, that's scary in my mind, but I have a peace. I have a real strong sense. But for some people, the Holy Spirit leads you in words. You get a word, um, a scripture verse from the Bible, uh, a thought. Sometimes it can be a picture. It can be, I'm always jealous of the people that get dreams. I have a few friends that the Holy Spirit gives them a dream, and they know exactly what they're supposed to do. Oh, I saw it all happen in the dream. I'm like, when can I get that? <laughs> that seems really clear. I want something like that. Um, you know, it can come in journaling. I tell people all the time, write down your thoughts because um, as, as soon as you write them down, sometimes the Holy Spirit will start to speak to you. It can come in prophetic words um, from other people. So there's all different kinds of ways. But for me, um, moving up here was a totally scary thing. I was actually in, living with my parents, and um, I, I had this sense, even though I felt like I was trying to honor my parents, I was trying to build a relationship with them in a lot of ways, and I felt this sense that I was supposed to move, and I didn't know where. And I thought, that's really weird. I don't even have a place to go. Where am I supposed to go? And I had a friend who lived up here who had asked me to live with her, and I told her no because I had visited Vancouver, Washington, actually Camas, Camas near the paper mill that was all stinky, and um, in February. And I was like, I love you, but this place is not for me. I grew up in Northern California, you know, where it's like 60 degrees and sunny on Christmas Day. Um, but in a conversation that I had had with her, she was actually, we're on the phone, and she had already asked, you know, have you thought any more about it? And I had told her no. And in the middle of the conversation, I get this sense it was like as clear as day, you're supposed to go live with her. And I tell her at that moment, I don't know if that was wisdom or not, but I tell her at that moment, oh my goodness, I think maybe I am supposed to go live with you. And she was like, what? You just told me no. But I said, wait, hold on. Let me go talk to my parents. You know, they're my covering, they're my accountability. I want to see what they have to say. And when I did that, my parents were a little skeptical, but they, but they were like, okay, you know, I just told them I had this piece. And so I moved forward with this process of moving up here and trying to find a job. And I can't find a job. I, I have, you know, called all these places back in those days. I mean, there was no internet. I had like a, my friend sent me a clipping of the wanted ads in the newspaper. Sent it to me in the mail, snail mail. And, uh, and I went through there and I was calling everybody, you know, trying to get a job. And then it was, you know, almost internet days. And so there was monster.com and I used the internet to get on there and like try to find some jobs, nothing. And a week before I was supposed to move up here, my parents sat me down and they were like, so we're taking all this time and money to move you up there. Um, you don't have a job and you only have enough money saved to live there if you don't get a job for like two months. Are you sure this is what you're supposed to be doing? And I just told them, I, I wish I could give you that peace that I have. You know, eventually found City Harvest Church a few weeks later. But God is, in the whole idea of moving, um, even physically moving, that is a way God has showed up to us in so many ways. 
even this last move, so we moved um, into um, our brother-in-law and sister-in-law's rental in downtown Vancouver at the end of December. And what had happened is we were living in, in a home, a home that we loved, and our, our landlord had to sell the house. It was unexpected. And I just got this sense from the Holy Spirit in that moment, because at first I was like, oh, okay, well, just got to go to Craigslist, find some rentals, you know, pull up my sleeves. We're going we're gonna to make this happen. We're going to find a place for our family. And uh, the Holy Spirit said, peace be still. And I just had this sense or this knowing that we were not supposed to look at all. So I had friends that wanted to look for me. They're like, I found a house. <laughs> but I didn't get on there once. Um, and, and I just had this sense or this knowing that God was going to bring something to us. And we were supposed to wait for it. So the first thing that, that came to us was Pete's, Pete's brother and sister saying, hey, we have our renters are moving out of our downtown house. But then after that, it got a little trickier because we were like, okay, that's an option, but it doesn't have a dishwasher and one bathroom, and it's right in the kitchen, and we have six kids and brother Andrew living with us. Um, Thank you. (laughs) We're going to keep our options open. And we had a neighbor come to us and say, "Um, what if we bought the house and we rented it back to you guys so you could still live here? We were like, whoa. Whoa. That, that's a whole other thing, okay? When you said peace be still and you're gonna bring us something, are we not supposed to move now? And we waited. We didn't feel you know, peace about going forward with that. We had another neighbor come to us and say, I love to remodel. You've talked about remodeling this house. What if I remodel the house and then not only just rent it back to you for a little while, but maybe you could buy it later on? And we were like, whoa, we're just gonna, we're just gonna sit back and you know, see what God wants to do. Um, but the whole reason they, they were doing that is just because they said, we love you guys. We want you to be in this neighborhood. We want you to stay. And that was actually a really hard decision. Um, and we got, we got peace about it, though. And we, we were like, that, that isn't what we're supposed to do. We knew we were supposed to um, say thank you to all those offers that were so humbling and meant the world to us. And we were supposed to move to downtown into the little, you know, one bathroom, uh, no dishwasher. It's changing our lives, guys. Everybody should try it. You know, the whole like tiny house, minimalist movement, it changes you. Um, moving. Um, this last year, though, I, I went through this whole season of discouragement and disappointment. And I mean, it was like I could not get out of my head. You know, like when there's a fog and there's a cloud and whether that's anxiety, whether that's depression, but when you're like, man, I just, I can't move. I can't move forward. Everything is affecting me in a totally different way than it normally would. And I was doing all the things, you know, the right things, the things I thought I should do. But something that uh, God basically kind of took me on this journey, but was to fight my battles the battles going on in my mind, the battles going on in my emotions uh, with worship. And that's why I love that song, uh, This Is How I Fight My Battles. Have you guys heard that one? This is how I fight my battles. And the whole point is I fight it in worship. I praise God and I worship and walls come down, you know. Oh, we just march around. We're going to follow God. We're going to march around the walls of Jericho and we're going to let out a shout and the walls are going to come down supernaturally. Uh, and so this whole last year was God showing me how to fight my struggles, my internal stuff, uh, with worship. And, and Andrew, you know, he, he, he had this, this great story of um, he's moving down to California to help one of our family members. 
and something changed. Something changed in the circumstances. And, uh, and he was like, man, am I still supposed to go, God? Am I still supposed to do this? I mean, I already told my boss, you know, I mean, his friend, Brad, but <laughs> I told my boss I'm, I'm quitting my job, and I have told everyone at church I'm leaving. And he went home. We weren't there, but he, he got home early, and he said he just, you know, there was worship music on, and he just started crying out to God and praising him and worshiping him. And that's when he got his peace. That's when he got his Holy Spirit wisdom from heaven that said, go, and I will make a way for you. So the Holy Spirit is going to lead us into the unknown. The Holy Spirit is going to ask us, you know, do this thing that seems foolish. Um, no, you should go, you know, you should go do this instead of worshiping right now. You've got better things to do. But like, that was my lifeline. You know, that is my lifeline. Galatians 5.25, man. When we walk in this, or when we live by the Spirit, we'll walk by the Spirit. If we're living by the Spirit, we're going to keep step with the Spirit. And so I believe right now that, um, worship team, can you guys come up here? Um, really, guys, the foolishness of God is greater than human wisdom. 1 Corinthians one twenty five says that. And the weakness of God is greater than human strength. And the way that God chooses to do something a lot of times is not the way to, to get Holy Spirit wisdom. The first is you just ask for it. It's a prayer that's always answered. You just ask for it. But secondly, you have to be willing to surrender your rights, surrender the way you would do things, and to obey. Obedience to the Holy Spirit is wisdom. Jesus said we would do greater things than him, than him, because we would have the, the power of the Holy Spirit in us. That boggles my mind. That boggles my mind, and it doesn't make sense in the natural. 